In today's episode, we're speaking to Makosi Najese. Makosi is known as the royal shaman in the world leading African shaman specializing in energetic alignment and human potential. She mentors high-performing individuals to create powerful transformations, amplifying their wealth and impact. Called a spiritual guide for the empire builders, Makosi turns entrepreneurs into conscious leaders, teaching thousands in her online communities to connect with their best self. Those working with her are seeing incredible growth personally and professionally. Makosi is referred to as the get shit done shaman and a productivity shaman for her ability to motivate and enlighten. And today we're asking Makosi how she changed her life by changing her mindset. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And today I'm so excited. We have someone very unique and very oh, different. We have someone who is has uh, someone that I've just really recently met and have been blown away by not just her external beauty, but her internal beauty and her calmness of nature. So I'm so excited to introduce to you. Welcome, Makoshi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to dive in with you today and and just share and open up, hopefully inspiring anyone who's listening. Oh, I, I'm sure you will. You are amazing. And I, I'm just reading energy and it's just so vibrant as it is. So Makoshi, everyone knows, um, you know, everyone's heard your intro. They know how fabulous you are. But please, in your own words, tell everybody what it is that you do. Yeah, I think ultimately, uh, it's been very difficult to put myself into a box, but it really all boils down to um, inner transformation and transcendence in a very real and practical way. So I work with mainly entrepreneurs who know that they're called to bring forward incredible change in the world. And I serve as, as their catalyst, the person that that challenges them to be their highest self and to go for those things that other people think are impossible. That becomes very possible in, in my world. Wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how you do that, but let's get started at the beginning. How did you, where did you grow up and how did you end up being the Royal Shaman? It's most certainly a lifelong journey. So I grew up in small town, Southern West Virginia in the US. Um, And if anyone knows anything about West Virginia, which by the way, most people don't know anything about West Virginia. It is, um, you know, my my hometown had like 5,000 people. And yeah, very, very small, (laughs) very, very small town. Um, And also not very diverse. So I grew up a mixed race child Uh, My mom was also a single teen mom. And so I grew up in a very impoverished experience of reality, as well as that kind of being 
the norm around me. Mm. West Virginia in the US for the past few decades tends to be in the top five of all the negative, um, <laughs> all the, the negative um, polls and surveys, mm-hmm. usually in the top one or two in poverty, impoverished states, drug abuse, grandparents raising their grandchildren because the, the parents are unable to care for them, welfare, so on and so social services, all those things. So um, I grew up in an environment that did not set me up for a financially abundant reality. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But I, from a very young age, started picking up on statistics and I took them as a challenge, almost like somebody telling me, you know, you're you're just going to end up a teen mother uh, on drugs, <laughs> so on and so forth. And those numbers kind of became my my imaginary adversary right that i was i was trying to prove wrong yeah okay. that, you know what no i'm going to make something of myself i'm i'm going to take care of my mom so on and so forth and i have most certainly done that at this stage but there were many hurdles both from that background of poverty, as well as experiencing um, sexual trauma as a child and not ever quite fitting in being a misfit in my in my high school and beyond. And really, it's all been a journey of inner work, I could say. I want to take you back to the time when you are growing up in this environment, you 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 have a teen mother, and everyone expects you to also follow suit and also be a teen mother or, you know, go down the self-destruct path. How did you come out of it? I know you you worked with these, you know, these stats and you 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 proved them wrong because you're the exception to the norm. And you are exception to the norm. And, you know, these stats are there for a reason, unfortunately. But how did you prove them wrong? That's my question to you. How did you work on yourself? How did you... How did you work on your mindset, either intentionally or just, you know, just because you fell into it, that you were not going to be a number in the stat? You were not going to be another teen mom. You were not going to go down the path of, you know, continuing with poverty. You were going to make something of yourself. You're going to go down down a different path. How did you come to that conclusion, that decision, and then stick to it? I can say that my inner growth journey started as a preteen. Around the age of like 12, 13, there were a few key things that happened. Um, One, up until that point, I had been having spiritual experiences that I had kind of brushed aside because I was a really intelligent child. Mm. And I was, mm, I got praise and acceptance for that side of me, not for the spiritual side. So I suppressed that Mm. a lot. But around 12, someone gifted me um, a tarot deck and I started doing readings for kids at my middle school to make money. <laughs> that, that actually wasn't my first time making money, but I was finding different ways to make money. And I started to realize, wait, there's something, there's another aspect of me that I've kind of hidden. And I wonder what this is because in my upbringing, I, I did grow up in um, a Christian household. 
I spent a few years, I have Amish Mennonite family. So I actually lived with my Amish Mennonite family for a few years. And here I was having an experience of something that was very taboo and mm. um, very against what I had grown up with. But another thing also happened that kind of opened up that inner exploration more. I mentioned that I, I had experienced uh, sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. And at age 13, one of my perpetrators, there had been three, um, one of them actually reached out to me and apologized. So let me, so what age did you experience these traumas? They're apologizing at 13 years old. Yeah. So I was for about two years. So from age mm, four to six, around that age. And there had been two. So this was, you know, they were both further out cousins while I was living with my Amish Mennonite family. Um, your, where was your mom on all of this? So when my mom, well, I should also mention I had another brother. So my mom was a single mom of two. And around age four or five, she started to realize, like, I have two kids. At the time, my father was not involved, and he, he never came around to being involved, really. Um, she knew, number one, I'm about to have a nervous breakdown with all of this responsibility. She was working multiple jobs in order to take care of us while also having, you know, two kids. But she wanted to go back to school in order to get an education and create a better life for us. But we didn't have anyone close that would be able to take care of us while she went back to school. Okay. And it was impossible in her mind. Um, it's very difficult to work two jobs and go to school and also take care of two children. Yes, of course. So that was why she arranged for my brother and I to live with other family, but we moved from West Virginia to um, Texas, actually, to live there for almost two years um, while she did that. And in full circle, she actually didn't end up completing her degree. She ended up missing us way too much. It was very difficult for her, um, as I can only imagine as a mother now myself. Um, so she did end up not completing her degree, came back, and we just really struggled for years. So, so when that you... happened from four to six, and then there was another incident when I was um, 11 years old by a friend's uncle. Okay. Uh, okay. And and so, so one of them actually reached out to you when you were 13 to apologize. Yes. So at 13, um, one of them contacted me, he called me, and he said, you know, I've really been doing my own inner work and reflecting. And this is something that I've been carrying a lot of shame and guilt around. And also I know that I've never really said anything about it. I've never, uh, I've kept it hidden and I want to apologize. I don't expect your forgiveness, but I want you to know that I, I deeply regret X, Y, Z. Now, mind you, um, he was also very young, like hmm. teenage years. So it automatically, well, at first there was, of course, the emotions of like anger and how how could he like bring all this stuff up, right? But then after moving through all of those emotions, it got me, it got me thinking. Um, and this is kind of how I think it's kind of weird, I guess, to think hmm. this way as a teenager, 
well, a pr- I was just 13. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started to question how it could happen. Meaning, how was it that this person grew up in a certain environment mm-hmm. that then created a human that could cause this kind of pain, trauma to another human? Mm-hmm. And I started to examine that. I started to examine religion and spirituality's role, the dynamics happening in the household, like what were some of the things that he was experiencing. And all of that was kind of the catalyst for me starting to explore not just myself, but human patterns, human behavior, why we do the things that we do, not just from the point of view of I'm a victim in this, but I started to begin to understand that, wait, actually everyone is having certain experiences that are contributing to who they believe themselves to be, how they start showing up in the world, the pain that they inflict on each other, so on and so forth. Wow. Okay. So I'm still um, taking this in. How does a 13-year-old go down this path? This is just a phenomenal, deep deep emotional awareness and deep emotional investigation, I suppose is the, is the word, you know, trying to, trying to ascertain what could cause someone to, you know, what, what environment can, can, does someone need to grow up in to cause another human being such pain and trauma? That is something that most adults would not even think about going down. Yet a 13 year old did and, and sat with it and sort of, dwelled on it and worked through it. That's just a very profound emotional intelligence, I would say. I definitely didn't realize that at the moment, that that was like an unusual thing. Yeah. Of course, now I look back on it and like my son's almost 10. Mm. And so I'm I'm seeing, okay, well, in a few years, he's going to be about 13. I, I can't, I can't fathom it. I do think part of why I could do that was because of my trauma, right? because of, you know, or how, what people call trauma because of my experiences, because my mom wasn't home and taking care of us. I essentially, I I was one of those kids that matured way too early Mm. age four and five. Here I am moving to another state away from my mom, Mm. taking care of my younger brother who, you know, he's, we're 15 uh, months apart, exactly. And and having certain experiences that matured me faster than I should have. Yeah. Quote unquote should have, right? Um, I, from from one lens, the human lens, I, I would say, you know, of course, that's a tragedy. We want children to like be children. Yes. But then on the flip side, um, on the other side of that, I look at, how much of of who I've become was a result of that experience because I chose it, because I chose for it to be so. I could have taken it and been perpetually a victim. Yes, of course. And then you would repeat the cycle again and again. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies 
and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. And here's the thing. I didn't have that experience and all of a sudden (laughs) become like some, you know, incredible ascended master. Hmm. I actually was displaying on very dangerous unconscious behaviors. So because of my, as a result of my sexual trauma, I actually was, I will say because of that and also the lack of having my father around. And at 11, I had another, I did have an experience with my father that felt like abandonment Hmm. where he did finally show up which he never did. He took me out for my birthday and then he left me sitting alone in a restaurant while he went out and was flirting with girls. And then when I finished eating, he came back in. He left me sitting there alone to eat at 11 years old. So I'm having all of these experiences with men Mm. that are producing in me a sense of abandonment, wounding pain. Hmm. And I almost began to, I won't say almost began to, I, I believe that I was going to weaponize my body and my sexuality hmm. in okay. a very dangerous way. So I, I started having sex very, very young, very young. And this started culminating up until I was 15. So would you, would you, would you say you started at 13 then? No, at 11, because at, at, at 11, at 11, I was, I was raped at 11 years old. Okay. And so after that, that changed, changed everything before mm. that it had been, um, molestation, but 11 was when everything shifted, but from 11 to 15 at age 15, um, my best friend was murdered and we had just like, we were so close. We were like sisters. We had actually just got back from um, a beach trip. And this is a week before school starts. Mm. I'm going into my sophomore year of high school. And I got a call from her mother. I was out school shopping with my mom. And her mom called me and said, hey, um, Christy's been shot. You need to come to the hospital right now. So I showed up and they're telling me she's still technically alive, but um, she's she's been shot. And at this moment, I realize how dire the situation is. And I also realized that no one had told her that my friend Christy was pregnant. So she was five months pregnant, but she was, she was a thicker girl. So she had, and she always wore like really baggy clothes. So she had been hiding it really well. So I had to tell her mom, like she's having to weigh this decision of, do I keep her on life support or let her go because she had been shot and she's physically alive. But, um, what, you know, how, what we term like a, her brain was not functioning. There was no functioning there. But was it possible to keep her alive and keep the baby growing? So once I told them that she was pregnant, they did check that, okay, like this is real. And her mother did have to make that decision of, do I keep her alive in order to bring the baby through or not? Um, her mother made that very difficult choice um, to 
and life support. She would have had to stay on life support for, for months in order to bring the baby through. And it was just all around shocking. So at that moment, now I'm in that, in the context of all things, I start reflecting on what, what's actually happening. And I, oh, I'm also leaving out that this was the peak of when I realized that I did have spiritual gifts because okay. the night that they pulled the plug on her, she actually appeared at the end of my bed. Okay. And before that I had convinced myself like, oh, I've just been imagining things. But this time she showed up just as real as you and me sitting here having a conversation. I pinched myself, I rubbed my eyes and then she laughed, but there was no sound that came out. And then she started talking to me, but her lips weren't moving. And she said, I just came to let you know that I'm okay and that I'm moving on. And then she kind of dissolved, which of course, there's just like a lot of shock happening in this time period. So I spent a year basically mute up until that, like my freshman year, I was homecoming attendant. I was in student government. I was in show choir. I quit everything. I withdrew from almost everyone. I only spoke when I had to. And I was in a very contemplative place. And I started to realize that she could have been me. Wow. Okay. Another layer. Yeah. Why, why could she have been you? Was so she at the I wrong realized, place at the wrong time? No, because she had been shot by her boyfriend. And her boyfriend was very similar to the guys that I was interacting with. Right. right? Okay. In fact, she had even called and told me the day before um, he had been, he had been dealing drugs. She told me where the drugs were hidden. Um, and I also knew that something bad was about to happen. Like three days before we had gone out and with a friend of ours who got his first car, he had turned 16, he got his first car. He came and picked us up when the three of us were driving around and we parked in a parking lot. And I said, Hey, Christy, I have a, I have a really bad feeling. Something bad is about to happen and you've got to leave. You've got to leave Javon. And she said, yeah, I, I know. I think you're right. And I said, you, you also need to tell your mom that you're pregnant. Like that it's been going on long enough. It's time to let her know. And she said, yeah, I know it's, it's time. And all of, I just started putting all of these pieces together that part of what was leading to her having this experience with her boyfriend mm -hmm. was also coming. It was we were living, we were very parallel. We were very, yeah, yeah. very similar. Yeah. And so I stopped seeing boys <laughs> at that time. Um, and I just withdrew in, I went inward. I also ended up in therapy. So um, I went into a deep depression. I finally told my mom about being sexually abused. Um, she got me into therapy. And then I made the mistake of <laughs> telling my therapist that, oh, and by the way, she appeared at the end of my bed. And of course, my therapist did what a therapist will do, usually. They referred me over to a psychiatrist who put yeah. me on drugs yeah. <laughs> and thought, like, oh, this person is losing it. She's yes. And I realized, okay, 
the the drugs were not helping. They had the opposite effect. I, I was feeling less and less like yeah. myself. Yeah. And around that time I came across, so I was always into books and I was in the library and I came across this book by Matthew Kelly called the, um, the five levels of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I checked the book out and by the way, I never returned it. I actually still have it. They let me keep it. <laughs> they let me keep it. But that book on intimacy helped me start to explore what love really was. Wow. Okay. What connection really was. And then from there, um, I went into research, like as a, as a teenager, Hmm. I've actually always been a researcher. Wow. Uh, So when did he actually, because we have to wrap this up now because we need to come to close this episode. When did you get initiated? When did you realize you have these gifts and um, when did you get initiated? Where did you get initiated? Yeah. So I'm doing research through all of these years, going through mm. my own inner journey. And um, I get through the college experience, had a very difficult time with um, my my pregnancy. I struggled with infertility, difficult pregnancy, and then developed postpartum um, preeclampsia. And when was this? When do, so part, this is age 22, 23. Oh, okay. Was it intentional pregnancy or was it? Yes. So I have, I've been with my husband since I was 20. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been together 13 years now and I was having and have been having reproductive issues mm-hmm. for, I had been having them a really long time, probably a result of the trauma. Yeah. That makes but my doctor had also seen my, my mom and my grandmother. And he told me, you know, based off of what's going on with you and also your family history, um, you're, you probably have a really small window of fertility left. Started my cycle really early. My endometriosis was stage four, already the worst stage. Um, So he was like, if you want to have children, you're in a, you know, we were engaged. He was like, if you want to, I suggest that you start trying. And so it took a year with treatments to get pregnant. Um, I struggled to stay pregnant. I was on bed rest for six months of my pregnancy. And then when I had him, I developed postpartum preeclampsia, ended up in the hospital for five days right after he was born. So this is my senior year of college. And I had been planning to go to med school, but then I get my miracle baby. And I just couldn't imagine not being at home with him. Mm-hmm. So I make a decision at that moment that I'm not going to go to med school. I want to stay home with my with my son, and I'm just going to figure this out. And I ended up in direct sales, skyrocketed to success in my company. Within nine months, I'm in the top 2% mm-hmm. of the company. And in those companies, when you do really well, you get what everyone dreams of. Right. So here I am, I'm being flown out for free trips to Vegas and mansion parties and Mm. designer handbags. And I've got the, you know, tall, dark and handsome husband and the beautiful kid and the great life Mm. at a very young age. And I started asking like, wait, this is what, (laughs) this is what everyone was telling me was the whole point of everything. Like, this is the point of life. Mm. So I started asking different questions and 
some really insane synchronicities led me into my first initiation. And that initiation was with the Dogon tribe in West Africa. And in our initiations, we do what's called divination. And divination is essentially reading the energy of a person. Mm -hmm. It's reading, you know, who they are spiritually, who they came to be in this life mm -hmm. and kind of where they are on their journey. And mine kept talking about, I was here to be a priestess. I was here to be a spiritual teacher, a spiritual advisor, all of these things. Mm. And eventually I started having dreams. I'm following synchronicities. And that all culminated. I was in initiation for about five years and I completed my initiation in um, South Africa. And that was 2018. So about four years ago, actually almost to the day <laughs> that I completed that initiation. And through that process, I learned a lot about who I am spiritually, my spiritual gifting, you know, how I can work. But that was really just the start of this phase or this becoming where now I'm utilizing everything that I experienced everything that I learned, everything that I transformed in order to help other people transform themselves and understand that if we choose it, we can turn the most dark and painful experiences that we've had into an incredible life, not only for ourselves, but also create epic change in the world 100 percent, 100 percent. i mean what a story wow um wow okay so that's how the journey started and ended up with you becoming uh, a mako makoshi right makosi yeah Mako makosi rather wow what a journey all right makosi so tell us how we will co we'll continue this conversation in our money talkies we just we really have to wrap this up now um Tell us, Makosi, how can we connect with you? How can we find you on the internet? Yeah, the best place these days is on Instagram or YouTube at The Royal Shaman um, or on my website, theroyalshaman.com. Fabulous. If you're listening to us on the, on the podcast, the links that Makosi has just mentioned will be in the show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube, then down below in the description section, we'll have the links to what she just mentioned as well. Do check her out. She's amazing. And what an amazing story. When she was, when you were talking, it just sounded like I was watching, it, was, it sounded like I was watching a movie and just going through the experiences that you did, you had to get to where you are right now which is phenomenal. But anyway, thank you so much for being such an amazing and open guest with us, Makosi. We will have to have you back both today. Thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to me and Makosi today. I will be back with another Friday feature with another amazing guest, finding out how they change their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time we meet, this is Google Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website www.gulkhan.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. 
And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.